Welcome to episode three of Voice of Pod. I'm Scott. And I'm Michael. And we are so happy that you're back with us. Yes. So, um, gosh, <laughs> you know, we talked a little bit last time uh, in episode two about uh, there was a controversy going on that Joe Biden had called Mike Pence a oh, nice, yeah. a decent guy. Mm-hmm. And we had had a quick conversation about that and and what it meant. And uh, it's funny. And now we have a new controversy that Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> watched a football game with uh, George W. Bush and right. then said something on the effect of, can't we all just get along? Um, what uh, Did you see all this? Yeah, I was seeing it on, on social media that they were at some football game together, right? In like some box. Dallas or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were being friendly, and I mean, the funny thing is that uh, Michelle Obama and, and uh, George W. Bush, they the media always talks about how they have a friendship and how it's like that's not really an issue, Democrat and Republican getting along. But I guess it's because Ellen's a big lesbian that they're like he did things that were anti-LGBT, and that's an issue. Listen, bringing that up, I thought Michelle and. George W. at his father's funeral was just right. this really incredibly moving. It's a good American moment. Right. Um, and, you know, I think I I, I, lo- I actually really liked part of what Ellen said, which was, you know, we are a land of different opinions and mm-hmm. we always are going to be. And it doesn't mean we can't get together on and get along on some basic level right. and, you know, do it civilly. And what's interesting to me is there's now such backlash against her for yeah. sort of saying, can't we have civility? And as right. you started to say with this, don't you know what he did and stood for? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, listen, um, there is a time and a place to stand up for yourself and mm-hmm. your rights and your dignity and your, you know, we talked about this with the same thing with the fat shaming, you know, right. own who you are and love who you are. But I also think you, you know, you've got to be able to reach across the aisle. You sometimes have to do mm-hmm. business with people you don't care for. Um, you can't change minds without talking to somebody. And right. I actually thought the fact that these sort of polar opposite people could be, enjoying each other's company for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. um gave you some hope right um because you know uh you know part of the gay coming out movement um was the theory that people were anti-gay because they didn't know any gays. Right. And suddenly mm-hmm. when it's, you know, Uncle Bob or Aunt Marsha who right. are, are these gay people, then it's no longer those ubiquitous right. people. <laughs> um, using words I can't pronounce. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, and by coming out, you know, that was that was the whole right. thing with this gay movement was, yeah. is we want you to know you actually do know gay people. You do know lesbian people. Right. You do know trans people. You know, you know, all mm-hmm. these other things mm-hmm. and 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 make people more comfortable with them. And then, of course, you know, we've talked about, you know, the power of will and grace in everybody's right. li- living room on Thursday nights. Right. And I, it's all got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that they could sit together at a football game and and have conversations I thought could be the basis of something. Do I forgive him for all of right. the things that he did in office? Yeah. No. Um, but 
Yeah, it's it's that that thing of like you can you can have two opposing thoughts in your head at the same time. You can not agree with the things that he he and his administration did clearly, but if you I think to your point, if you never as a gay person, if you never interact with someone who doesn't know about gay people or doesn't necessarily agree with gay people, how are you ever going to change their mind? Right. And not everyone is actually equipped to do that. So if you know that that's not something that you're able to handle, then okay, you can remove yourself from that situation. But if you are just able to be yourself and be confident in that without being subject to someone else's opinions about you, then I feel like why not have that conversation? Why not just be that little reminder in the back of their head the next time they're going to have to make a decision about something that may pertain to you, they're going to maybe think about you or think about that person specifically that you, you have given them. So, you know, for somebody who's against gay marriage, you know, to hang out with Ellen and Portia and I don't believe Portia was there. So, you Mm -hmm. know, this is a little fantasizing, but you know, Oh, we went to Ellen and Portia's house for dinner and saw what a lovely family they are. And, and you start seeing it with those eyes like, Oh, that's what a, you know, an LGBTQIA family looks like. Mm -hmm. And, and it starts, you know, that's where support starts. That's where, you know, all the legislation and all these other things that we need start from is when, you know, uh, exposure. So, but it's funny. We like to fling our arrows and we love to, you know, be all over the social media with these things. And, and I thought it was just sort of funny. We had just had this conversation about, you yeah. know, um, how dare Joe Biden, you know, call Mike Pence a decent guy. Right. And, and I, I find that again, I find this very encouraging, um, you know, uh, like it or not, we have to work with Mike Pence. He is the vice president right. and, you know, he was a governor. And so to pretend he doesn't exist, does right. us nobody, nobody any good. So, right. well, and if Trump gets impeached, then the next person in line is Mike Pence. So oh, Lord. that's a whole separate can of worms there, but yeah, <laughs> we'll that, that's going to be a whole episode unto itself. <laughs> yeah. But we talked last time that we were doing an interview and we were very excited to be doing yes. that interview on this episode. And I think all of this ties right into it. Yeah. Um, so let's take a little break and then we'll come back with that interview. We're going to come back with our voice of pod first interview. Yes. So, you know, Michael, I don't know, on social media, like, things pop up all the time, and yeah. I tend to read a lot of them, which is something I need to work on in the future, because, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, you can spend your whole life there. But, uh, weirdly, the other day, Leah Remini posted a quote, and for some reason, it caught my attention, and I think it's really perfect for um, what we're going to do today. Uh-huh. Um, so, I'm going to read the quote first, and it's from a guy named Jose N. Harris, and it's from a book called The Story of Faith, Hope, and Love, and I looked him up, and he's all about this sort of inspirational stuff. Mm. Uh, Here's the quote. There comes a time in your life when you walk away from all the drama and people who create it. You surround yourself with people who make you laugh, forget the bad, and focus on the good. Love the people who treat you right. Pray for the ones who don't. Life is too short to be anything but happy. Falling down is part of life. Getting back up is living. And I thought that was super Hmm. cool. Yeah. And, you know, we were saying, you know, my generation was brought up... um, with these sort of sacred relationships. Yeah. And we were taught when I was a kid that without conditions, trust your priest, priest trust your teachers, yeah. trust your family, right. you know, trust, you know, the police. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my generation has grown up and we have watched all of those relationships right. implode right. that 
you know, who do we trust? And before we, you know, talk to our guests today, I want to ask you, yeah. being from the next generation, who were you taught to implicitly trust? What were your... Yeah, I think for us, it was mostly family. And like, at least in my family, it was, you know, you do your things outside of the home, but then at home, your family are your friends and your confidants and your people that you rely on. And so it was never... It was always respect to those people, your priest, your teacher, all those, all those people, but it wasn't necessarily an inherent trust. And I wonder sometimes if it's like just depends on who your family is, because some families are just more trusting than others. I know that my like my dad is very untrusting of a lot of people openly. So it's not a blanket like trust these people generally. Um, but it's a lot of like. Even now, like my sister, if she's like going to come visit L.A. or whatever, it's, oh, rely on your brother, rely, rely on Michael to like tell you what to do and how to do it. And it's like it's always it's not about trusting other people. It's about trusting within the family. You know, it's one of the things that I really love about the gay experience is because mm -hmm. they talk about your chosen family. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, with our generation and the generation even before us. When people were so fearful of being thrown out by their family for being gay, and right. people would leave and forge these families of their own, and you know, I will say those are the bonds that I've taken. And again, mm -hmm. my family has been terrific, and you know, yeah. lovely. Uh, there's nothing horrible, but this chosen family, I find they yeah. have those very special bonds, and that I trust. Right. For so many reasons, we speak the same language. Mm -hmm. We're on this same paths. We've had the same experiences, yeah. and. There, you know, when you're in the trenches with somebody, you you literally learn who you can sort of trust. Right, totally. And that's going to lead us to our first <laughs> guest on our podcast, yes. Voice of Pod. Um, I will do the intro. Yes. <laughs> so we have with us today Barry Clark, and I uh, I'm going to read the official bio, and then I will <laughs> go over him as my personal level. Uh, Barry began his career working in the entertainment business. He performed in live theater and ended up in casting and production for both film and television. Uh, he ended up going back to school and earned a master's degree in spiritual psychology. He then left the entertainment industry and has become a professional life coach. And for the last 15 years, has worked with hundreds of people, assisting them in creating cha positive changes in both their personal and professional lives. He's got a few degrees, including a BFA from New York University, NYU, a master's from the University of Santa Monica, and he is working on his doctoral program in clinical psychology. I can also tell you he's a personal friend. <laughs> um, and um, I'm going to embarrass Barry because he's si sitting right here with us. And I was thinking about this on the way in. And you're going to laugh when you're, I don't know if you guys had this experience when you were a kid, but my dad took me fishing, mm -hmm. which was the most traumatic experience ever. <laughs> hey, let's abuse a worm. So then we can oh abuse a fish. <laughs> but there was this thing when you're fishing called a bobber and it mm. floats on the top. And when the fish bites, <laughs> the bobber goes under. But the whole thing is the bobber is sort of always at the surface. Uh. And for me, I thought of that today when I was thinking of Barry because I've known Barry for a while and I watched him go through so many different circumstances and he's always that positive spirit that mm. always manages to come back to the surface. Yeah. And um, I sort of like that, that whatever. And, and it's one of the reasons I have always admired Barry, but mm. there you go. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you, Scott. Welcome Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I appreciate uh, your kind words. I will just make one sort of um, update to my bio. I'm actually a clinical psychology doctoral program dropout which is something I'm super proud of, but that's a whole other huh. 
perhaps conversation. But what is but, cl- but quickly, what is clinical psychology? Because we usually do a few like questions out of the blue, so you're gonna get those. <laughs> well, like one of the big questions people always ask me is, what's the difference between a therapist, uh, oh. including like a clinical psychologist and a coach? Mm-hmm. And sort of the general overview, uh, the way I share with people is that. You know, when you're a coach, you're really working present moment moving forward. It's like people are somewhere and they want to get somewhere uh, else. And a, a professional life coach helps people to kind of identify the blocks and then figure out ways in which they can move through those and proceed to the goals that they want to have set for themselves. Um, whereas a therapist, they might take you back to your family of origin, which, um, you know, is, is sometimes very necessary. And also maybe work um, on that deeper emotional level kind of excising the ghosts of the past, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of family constellation work where they're working with, you know, your mother, your father, just these earlier core relationships that kind of set us up for life. That's really more the work of a therapist or a clinical psychologist. And again, coaches are like, I just think of myself as a big cheerleaders, uh, a cheerleader. I like to say a big pom-poms. <laughs> um, wait, that leads a lot of questions. But I'll ask the first one. So you you talk about people having blocks and having dealt with a lot of people. Do you see a common block that a lot of them have in common that are keeping them from seeing their goal, reaching their goal? I, I again, you being the person, you 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 put the words in into the sentence. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question, Scott. Um, one of the things I've seen over the past fifteen years is. Um, Worthiness is a big one for people, like really believing that they are worthy and not worthy like in an ego way, like I'm so great Mm -hmm. and wonderful, but just more like I'm worthy of taking care of myself. I'm worthy of experiencing a loving relationship with a partner. I'm worthy of of following my heart and, and being in a career path that is really suited for me versus whatever you know, uh, the culture demanded, uh, whatever the parents maybe wanted the person to do. Um, Oftentimes for me, it's about working with someone to really connect to their heart, to like what's authentic for them. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are cut off from that. And so that tends to be um, a pretty common uh, place uh, for intervention and opportunity to heal and then start to move forward. It's funny you you would use the word worthy. I just finished binge-watching the new season of Queer Eye. Mm. Mm. And it's funny, that's the one word that they use with almost every participant right. that they have. Yeah, such a beautiful show. That you need show. to feel worthy. But I feel like this is, a, I think you hit on a very it's universal. nerve. It's universal. Why are we a society, a country, a state, whatever, of people who don't feel worthy? What do you think happened? Uh, it's a great question. I mean, I know um, I've heard you talk about like social media. Um, right. You know, we look to the media a lot in terms of the images that are placed out in front of us from the time we're little. Um, I think that there are a lot of sort of false. Um, you, uh, how, how can I say it? It's like people. Really, all we all need to do is just be ourselves, and that yeah. really is good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think when you see like what we value in our culture, you know, we value a very expensive car and a very large home and a big bank account, but and a you, tiny waist and a tiny waist, <laughs> right? Absolutely, right? Yeah. absolutely, yeah. and a big, you know, big biceps or I don't, you know, whatever. Biceps, that's what we're calling biceps, it. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and other such 
yeah. things. Uh, yeah. I, what can you say on this uh, anything podcast? Anything? All right, just checking. I didn't say okay, all right, just checking. Um, you know, in case there are younger people listening. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm, my mind it just suddenly went somewhere else, but it it is universal. But is there something? I mean, it's interesting because, and and I again, I think everybody has this sense. I feel like we're doing something wrong that we don't think we're worthy of a decent job or a decent relationship or... Scott, I think we have to watch like the false idols that we sort of pray to in a way to use that metaphor. It's like, what is it that you're holding as important right. in your life? Mm -hmm. You know, is it your friendships? Is it your family? Is, is it like helping people in the world through the work that you do? Or are you chasing after, um, you know, bright and shiny objects? And mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with bright and shiny objects. But for me, you know, I, I think part of why I kind of moved out of film and television and more into this coaching arena was because I wanted to, I just wanted to serve, I wanted to help people, you know, and people always seemed to come to me. And so it was sort of a natural progression. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that like, especially nowadays with Instagram being so easily accessible, you see things yeah. and people will always compare themselves to other people. And even like in my group of friends, it's always like seeing other people, even acquaintances doing well. And it's like, that, first of all, that's Instagram. So it's not necessarily real. And second of all, just because someone else is doing something has nothing to do with you. And it's not about your, your journey is a separate one. And I think people don't think that way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it's the bullshit thing that, you know, we talked about with, like, the, the debates and everything earlier. Move your mic closer. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm that person that when I see somebody putting, and it's always the first class seat, right, my home for the next oh, 10 yeah. hours. <laughs> um, they never do it when it's the middle seat and coach, <laughs> like, my home for the next six hours. Yeah. Um, and you want to be like, you know what? You used your miles, you blah, blah, blah. You're traveling on somebody else's dime, whatever it is. It's always that sort of illegitimacy behind the right. photo. And that's always my thing where I try to scratch the surface. And it's not that I'm trying to tear people down, but I think it is you have to see these things sort of in context. And maybe that's my own way of, you know, sort of healing myself is, you know. Well, here, right. here's something that I've started to notice. And maybe this is an experiment you could try. Uh, and to speak to what you were saying, Michael, about Instagram, when I'm going through Facebook, when I'm going through my feed or my Instagram feed, I I can smell the the falseness. I yeah. want to say it's like, you know, when you see somebody's feed and it's like one more beautiful experience yep. and picture and something, that's a choice that someone's making in terms of the image they want to present to the world. But like, think about it. A lot of times you actually will know some of these people. And if you ask yourself the question, like, is this really their life? 100 percent. Right. Uh -huh. the, the thing is, no, it's not. Yeah. Right. They're presenting an image which is not really the full picture. And so I think that's part of what happens to us in general with the worthiness. You go through magazines and you see very, like for young women who see these very like skinny models and then they start to have body dysmorphia. Right. You know, it's like you, you see people in these big houses and cars, but it's not a lot of, it's, it's advertising. It's created to make you salivate. Right. right, right. It is, yeah. And then, and then we start to judge ourselves against that. Like we make that our litmus when it's completely 
right. false. It's not even real. Right. You know, that's what gets us into trouble. I really yeah. think. And my a thing is a lot of these of relationship things. It's always like, here we are in the perfect this and then our perfect this <laughs> and our perfect whatever. And I'm like, I work with you. You're having an affair. Yeah. Or you know, you you know, get a happy yeah. ending every time you go to the masseur. <laughs> yeah. And you know, again, this is why I'm bitter and single at 56. But um, <laughs> but you know, I I mean, I call bullshit on those things. And I and I and I wonder. I think to add to your point, and I ask the question. Um, I think they're not only trying to project to us, but I think they're also trying to convince themselves sometimes. Look, I am I happy. So. Oh, yeah. You know, I went through this when I was younger. And again, this is not what the topic we were going to you know, talk about. But, <laughs> you know, I realized at one point in my life, nobody tells you you're happy. You, It's something you oh. have to at yourself say, yeah, oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I've got this, 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 or I've done this, 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 and oh my gosh, I'm happy. It's the weirdest, it was the weirdest moment for me because like I had to like realize things are, you know, I'm happy. Um, and, and I think we don't teach people how to, right. And I think the same is true on the opposite end. You know, depression is horrible and everywhere. And right. how do you know what's depression? You know, just because right. I sleep, you know, 14 hours a night. I mean, right. Could be, could be mono. <laughs> so but, anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barry and I were having lunch a few couple weeks ago and we had a conversation and I thought it was such an appropriate one to bring here to voice of pod um, that Barry and um, I'm going to let him tell it, but a very close family member um, are going through a time. And I thought this was such an interesting topic, starting with these sacred relationships and given what Barry does, um, so Barry, I'm gonna let you tell the tell yeah, the story. Yeah. Well, I um, I work at a place called the University of Santa Monica. That's where I got my master's degree in spiritual psychology, and they do um, a relationship project in the second year of the master's program, um, and. It really, you spend the year focusing on your most difficult or challenging relationship. And it's a it's an incredible experiment that you run for 10 months. So um, I'm sort of just like laying a little groundwork before I jump into my experience, which is to say that I think relationship, our relationships are reflections of ourselves. I think the whole world, like in, in psychology, we talk about projections where like the whole world in a sense can be a mirror of you. And when you bring it in, you can do a macro or micro. So you could be like macro and look at the political system and things that you see wrong. I think that has bits and pieces that are reflective. And then when you look at your own micro, like your family, your mom, your dad, brothers and sisters, cousins, like partners that also there's a reflective process that can go on there um i think you you know you need to know that that exists and then you know how do you kind of look at that and start to pull out some pieces that you may need based on the experiences okay. that you're having so to what to to speak to what you're sharing about scott like the quote i love this jose harris quote there comes a time in your life when you walk away from all the drama and people who create it I think that for me, um, as I've gotten older, and I, I see this in friends my age, I'm 53, it's like y you start to have less energy for a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. And so you start to draw boundaries, you start to maybe hang out less with certain types of people because you might feel that they're a drain. Um, they're, you know, you're hopefully older, wiser, and really starting to make better choices. And, you know, 
there are life events that happen, which I think can also like bring out the best and worst in people. And, mm. uh, you know, I think we can all find examples in our own lives of where relationships in our family, you know, went south, went right. sour, right? Mm -hmm. Based on, it could be a death in the family. It could be a long-term illness. It could be money. Families mm. will oftentimes fight money, over money, yeah. right? And it can get really ugly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for, for me, again, with the work that I do, um, I'm always trying to like figure things out. You know, it's like, what, what's, if I'm gonna do my best to take responsibility, what's my part in it? You mm -hmm. know, when I look at the other person, what did they do? And so, you know, I lost my father, um, it's almost two years now. And, you know, it was just, he was kind of in a way like the glue in our family. You mm -hmm. know, he was just such a positive life force. And I think that he was really that positive force for my mother. And I think that as soon as he was gone, it changed my mom's life in such a, such a deep way. And, and to the extent that I, I couldn't even understand. And ultimately that created this sort of uh, communication rift between she and I uh, to where it's been almost a year now and we haven't, we haven't really been communicating with each other as we've done in the past. And um, it, it brought out, I think, not the best in her, but it also brought out not the best in me. Mm. But in that relationship, you are, are, are you are the one who consciously sort of stopped communicating, right? Uh, yeah, I, one of the things I really believe is that, you know, sometimes we have to say no. Sometimes we have to put our hand up and just say, it's yeah. not okay for you to dot, 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 you fill in the blank. Uh, it's not okay for you to yell at me. It's not okay for you to hit me. It's not okay for you to do what you've been doing. And, and in a sense, it, it really is our responsibility to take care of ourselves. It's like, I am a hundred percent responsible for myself. So, um, it, it also, it's okay to take time to heal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like losing my father was a traumatic experience for me. And I know it was for my, my mother as well. And now this is all hindsight, but I can definitely see where there was a need for some time to heal because I think what happened was, I don't think, I can't really speak for her, but I think what may have happened is that she needed time to heal and I needed time to heal. And in the meantime, the there were certain behaviors that transpired that I think were less than loving. And for me, I just had to say, you know what, let's just press pause. You go to your corner. I'm going to go to my corner. Right. I have some work to do. I think you have some work to do because it's always easy to point the finger sure. outward. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's three pointing back at me. So, mm -hmm. you know, mom, you I think you need to take some time, be with you, work on you. I definitely know I need some time to heal. And for me also with relationships is very often if you have unresolved material, your relationships will bring that material up for healing. Mm. They, they bring old material up for healing. And what I found with my mom is that a lot of my judgments from the past, like I heard uh, someone saying this the other day that they had, they had sort of thought their mother should have been like Florence Henderson of the Brady Bunch, huh. you know, which is kind of funny, right? Yeah. When you think about yeah. it, but she was kind of like the all American, you know, right. smiley mom. But again, what are you, what, what are you holding up as your image, right. right? 
it's a TV show. <laughs> like, we all know what was going on behind the scenes with the Brady Bunch. Right. Right? That was right. a little cray-cray up in there, wouldn't <laughs> yes, you say? Yeah. So the thing is, it's a little cray-cray in everybody's family. Yeah. You know, nobody gets out of the, the family dynamic um, without getting scratched. But again, first of all, you know, and, and thank you for being so open about this. And this is why you're here. I think this is so fascinating. And it's what the things we don't talk about. You know, first of all, you we always th think that the, the mother stereotypically is the gooey, more emotional. And I love that your father was. And you, we also, I think, are, are sort of taught with these sacred relationships that in times of crisis, it's a parent's duty yes. mm -hmm. to bring yes. the chicks in yes. and protect them emotionally, physically, in all those ways. Um, so the fact that all of this sort of went against our beliefs, teachings, whatever word you want. Thank you. That's a good word. <laughs> yeah. That's the tricky one. Right. And so, you know, and again, with your both education and professional background and, and you know, for people who listen to this podcast, why I think this is fascinating is you know, how did you decide it was time to take that break and draw that line in the sand and and go against this sacred relationship mm -hmm. and um, and do what's best for you? I, I mean, that's a really powerful well, thing, I think. This is an incredible question. And mm -hmm. what I can share with you is that when I look in the mirror and see a version of myself that makes me cringe, I know it's time for me to do some work. You know, I feel in politics the same thing has occurred. It's like politics, the, the, the divisiveness has brought out really like the ugliest version of people. But here's the thing. All people, whatever side of the fence they're on, they're still underneath. There's beauty. There's love. You know, listen, I'm... A, I mean, there are certainly people we can put in a category where we, we're, we're not going to touch those people. Yeah, but yeah. just in general, the general statement, most people, um, I don't know if you saw this woman on CBS Good Morning um, who was in Texas in her car with her family when the guy, the shooter, uh, was you know, shooting people and killing people. Mm. She stepped on the accelerator and took off. She does this literally, uh, she does a plea to our leaders saying, I'm from Texas. I have always believed in guns and my entire family was almost massacred. And what I'm clear about now is we have to come together and we've got to make some compromises because we've got to do better and we've got to change. Mm. And for me, I realized like in the beginning, I was so upset with my mom when this thing happened and she was so upset with me that I know I was judging her in a way that it's like I was turning her into a monster, which guess what? She's not. Mm. She's loving. Mm -hmm. she, you know, she has a heart. She's not that. But I was so angry and upset that I was throwing all these judgments mm -hmm. at her and she was doing it with me. And I think that's what's happening on the political. Right. 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 It's like people who might normally be friends or even lovers or like there's so much anger and upset. And really, you know, in the work I do, it's all about you got to bring it back in. You got to do your you got to do your work because there's an opportunity, I would say, for healing. That's my approach. So heard. <laughs> it's not everyone's. I completely get it. <laughs> but I will tell you, here's emotionally what I'm feeling as I hear you talk about this, though. I want this woman to grow up, be mature and do her motherly duties that 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 should supersede all these things. And, and again, as a gay guy, 
you know, all we ever wanted to hear when you come out to your parents is that they unconditionally love you. Mm-hmm. And everything else is going to be fine because I love you and we have this relationship and 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 nothing is going to break that bond. And um, so obviously there's hurt and all of this. I mean, how do you deal with that? And how do you... I, it's I, a process. Like, it really is a mm-hmm. process. You know, therapy, workshops, mm-hmm. books, friends. You know, it involved a lot. I did a lot of work to take care of myself and heal and look at the judgments and the beliefs and the expectations that I had because look the bottom line is every single one of us is exactly who we are right you know Michael is who Michael is Scott is who Scott is Barry is who Barry is we as friends accept one another you know for all of who we are Mm -hmm. Um, and you know sometimes maybe I do something that you know Scott you might be like Oh, God, Barry's doing that thing again. I might have something like that with you. Oh, I wish Scott would X, Y, and Z. I think that's natural human interaction. Um, and, and at the same time, you know, it's like, I ultimately, I'm not in control of anyone else. I can only control, right. in a sense, me. Like, I can't make you, I can't make Michael, I can't make anybody else be or do. You know, I would like Trump to do a lot of things differently than he does. Mm -hmm. I really would, because Mm -hmm. I don't agree with a lot of what he's doing. Uh, And he's here. And so what do I then do? Like, what can I do that's positive to make a difference in the world? Okay, I see everything he's doing. Now, what can I do? Mm. Well, you know, that's a little different because theoretically, you know, you can go to the polls and vote. Right. Which hopefully our listeners are all voting. Um, and registered. Yeah, mm-hmm. get registered. <laughs> um, you could get, you contribute money to somebody you think is doing good. Um, you know, this is always the chari- charity charity conversation. Um, you know, I, I think you had the same experience. You know, when I would deal with talent, uh, people would have their own charities. And I'd be like, oh, this is such a vanity crazy project mm. until I went and worked for a nonprofit and realized that nonprofit people are sort of a insanity of their own. And, you know, you would see these celebrities kind of come in contact with them and be like, I, I don't want to, you know, help your crazy. Um, mm. So I'd rather do something on my own and make sure that, you know, this oh, hundred yeah. bucks goes and, Right. Um, okay, speaking of, on the drive here today, <laughs> there was a bridge in downtown L.A., and it was all homeless tents oh, uh, yeah. over the freeway. Yeah. Which I have just started seeing this around Los Angeles, these very out-in-the-open encampments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I saw one on Lancashire under one of the bridges over there. On yeah. the, uh, and I'm a little confused what all that's about as we talk about charities, and we should talk about that at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a huge issue. So, wait, Bear, I'm going to push you on this one more time, though. Yeah. Um, so you talk about therapy and whatever. Is there any sort of exercises or anything that you could share with us or our listeners? And, you know, here I love the thing about looking in the mirror and seeing who it is. Now, of course, I'd go to, you know, bulges and, you know, um, <laughs> and skin tags. But, um, you know, I know you're talking a much more spiritual yeah, yeah, examination. Yeah, yeah. But is there any actual exercises or, or things that you do that, you know, would be a first step that mm. everybody should do? Yeah, I would say like, um, you know, if you're upset with somebody and you're writing them an email, don't send it. 
Mm-hmm. Burn it. Mm-hmm. Well, is that the classic sit on it for 24 hours? 100%. Or is this the letter to your, after someone's died, you're supposed to write a letter how you really feel, but you know, they're Don't. dead, they're never really going to read it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's like, I think so often, it, it, uh, and again, I'll just sort of go to Trump for this. It's like, I think if if he had waited 24 hours, maybe that tweet would oh, have been a little different the right. next day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like our first instinct is not always the best. Sometimes it is, but oftentimes it's not. As, and when you're when you're looking at from a relationship perspective, somebody you love, you know, you definitely want to take a breath and a beat before you speak. Now, this is something people a lot of people communication skills are one of I think the most needed like educational skills that we could be teaching kids today in schools. Adults need it. Most people don't listen. I listen for a living, so I'm very attuned to it. But most people are just waiting to talk. Yeah. They're not listening. Right. (laughs) So when you're, you're in a relationship with somebody, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, husband, wife, son, daughter, before speaking, especially when you're triggered, take a minute to breathe. Before you say something that you cannot take back. I think that's where a lot of people lose a lot of ground in relationships, both personally and professionally. I love that. And, you know, uh, one of the things I talk about, we talk about a lot is maturity. And to me, that's a very mature approach of. um, But we don't teach that. We teach people to get mad. And and look 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 around us. Well, bad behavior now is sort of like celebrated. Yeah, it's in vogue. Yeah, mm-hmm. today, you know, it's like decorum and and right. politeness, kindness. Right. You know, I mean, there is, a, I think, a movement of of loving and kindness out there. But boy, this other thing is well, we don't give it the attention. No. We give the bad stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, and I'm guilty of this, housewives. Right. I mean, this is just women behaving badly and getting paid for it, and everybody's watching. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I have other friends. We and have I watch mutual it, friends I that are obsessed. <laughs> I can't. I know. just I see the bullshit, and I see the producers, right. and yeah. I see the this and the that, and I, you know, I read the newspaper. They can't pay their bills, and they're talking about, oh, my ten thousand square foot mansion. Mm. I'm going to turn over a table, and I'm like, honey, you're going to be looking for, you know, used, you know, empty soda bottles in the trash tomorrow. I don't. I, 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 I just I I'm such a behind the scenes bullshit it, person. But it all is cyclical, right? Because it's like people see the housewives as aspirational way to live, and their behavior kind of goes with that. So then their behavior is not only entertaining, but it's also like, oh well, they act badly and mm. get rewarded for it. Maybe I can do that and become a Kardashian and have all this, and yeah. it's just this weird cycle. I mean, I'm gonna open a Pandora's box with that. Yeah, but yeah, don't yeah. you think yeah. this is? But that's really a great observation. But I think there's such bad female role models. And I'm worried yeah. about what we're teaching kids. And, right. you know, and weirdly, like, oh, my gosh, you know, Kim going to the White House and mm. releasing prisoners. And while part of it's partially noble. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like this. I'm going to run around the room and rant and do as I say is such an uh, right. as opposed to. Go and get your law degree and become a lawyer or work at a good nonprofit yeah. or, you know, I don't know. It just feels so well, vanity and not mm, real. I heard recently on NPR, uh, someone there, a reporter there had in, uh, gone into Instagram in New York and uh, talked to them about what was going on. Like, apparently that they had seen this drop in followers and what the people inside Instagram are saying is that 
uh, people are are less now looking for aspirational as you mm. that was what reminded me when you said mm. aspirational they're looking less for aspirational photos and they're, they're looking now more for sort of like those candids oh, where okay. you're just kind of being natural and like that's sort yeah. of becoming popular and hmm. i mean fingers crossed maybe that's pointing to maybe. i don't know what but that's like i'm always looking for the positive in things so <laughs> But I'm, and I'm the bitch, and my thing is, and now people are working super hard to make it look natural right, as opposed right, to right. too much. You know, yeah. What is the, the well. late night infomercial about the spray makeup applicator? Oh you know, once God. everybody got their spray, whatever. And don't you have so many drugs to talk to your doctor about? Like, if oh, you watch television, I have oh. a list of drugs I have to talk to my doctor about on Monday. There is drugs for things what, that I even know were issues. Like, uh, not, it's, I, well, there was a Vagisil commercial, but oh, it's like... The restless you leg, press, uh, the... I, it's, it's, I mean, there are so many drugs for everything, <laughs> it's you crazy, know? Right? And, and, like, if you have an itch, it's like, oh, I need a, I need a pill for that right, itch. Don't right. you think? We love, you know, we love instant whatever. Yeah. Um, so we're getting out of time, but, you know, we don't let anybody away without asking a couple crazy questions, nothing to whatever. Um, so I'm just going to go completely off Yes, I am wearing underwear right now. <laughs> I was going to ask what your favorite food was. Pizza. Really? Oh. Yeah, 100%. A particular kind flavor? Uh, New York pizza. Mm. Yeah. The Rays? Uh, Rays is good. John's down in the village. Because... Um, the rays aren't all related, right? I'm not a New Yorker. No, I don't know that they are. Um, and then, of course, if you go to Brooklyn, uh, pizza in Brooklyn is like oh. just on the corner. It can yeah. be like the most transformational experience. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I yeah. think pizza could heal the world if we mm. ate more of it. Mm. I will not argue that one bit. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Uh, what yeah. other questions do you have for me? <laughs> I like these questions. <laughs> what else? Um uh, Michael, you want to throw a it in? A fun question we had last time was if you could redo anyone's hair, like a famous person in who's history. known for their hair, whose would you redo? Um, I don't know why George Washington comes to mind. <laughs> I feel like yeah. that wig was, yeah. um, I don't know. I think he could have brought, since he was the first right. president of a new country, I think he could have brought something new to the <laughs> table. Okay, wait, I, this is funny you say this. So I just got hired to do a job on George Washington. Ah, So I've been you... doing my research. Here's it. George did not wear a wig. That was his own hair that was because his he own. had so much hair. And, ready? George was a ginger. What? And what? he powdered his natural hair to See? have the wig effect. Some part of me must have known that. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. And huh. the famous wood dentures were not wood. They were made of cow's teeth. And they oh. are on display at Mount Vernon. Wow. wow. How about that? Wow. I had no idea. I can tell you, I've, I, I've done a, it's funny. <laughs> it's, it's so weird that you said that. I swear there was no pre-planning. Now, yeah. was he, now, was he um, into interracial relationships, George Washington? I think that was, was that? Thomas Jefferson, That was right? Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Thomas, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but interestingly, George Washington started out fighting for the British and then came over to the American side. Um, hmm. And he is the only president we've ever had that was not affiliated with a political party. Okay. And he's oh the only gosh. president we've ever had that got 100% of the electoral college votes. Wow. Those are all the trivia facts that I remember <laughs> oh right now about God. George. But he's sort of a fascinating yeah. guy. Yeah. And I think, you know, coming into 2020 in this presidential election, um, I think it's interesting to hold up the different presidents and what they've done and, and, and in what background, you know, the depression, the this, the that. Right. Um, I think we need a Windsor. Don't oh. you? To run? <laughs> like, Harry... Wait, no. Harry's going to have a job. What's his younger brother's name? 
no, what, no William's William. got the job. Harry doesn't. Yeah. Maybe we get he Harry. He's married an American. I mean, he's married an American. Doesn't that make him American? I don't. Doesn't know. he get his citizenship work? now? Oh, he wasn't born here. But yeah. the Windsors weren't. But you know, it's funny going back to what huh. you know your topic though. You know, I <laughs> loved I loved how both Harry and William were talking about the pain of their mother's death and mm. the mental things that they went uh. through and the things they went to deal with that and. You know, again, in this oversharing society that feels so nonchalant, but people don't realize, um, you know, I was working somewhere when Ricky Martin came out and Ricky Martin came out quite late in his career and in the process of celebrity. Big fan of Ricky Martin, by the way. But there was a whole thing Mm -hmm. in that uh, Latino, you know, community that, you know, that this the male machismo thing was such a huge thing to have a huge celebrity like Ricky come out was really monumental. And. Um, again, you know, knowing people's, you know, backgrounds and stuff. So, so is your question for me, would I have come out a different way than I did? Would you, would you marry Ricky Martin? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm very much in love right now. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, had I been single and available and he had been single and available, I definitely would have dated him (laughs) for sure. Yeah. And I actually, to be honest, actually even more than date him, I'd love to dance with him because he's a great dancer. That'd be so fun. He is a good dancer. Yeah, he's a really good dancer. I'd love to dance with him. That would be the fun thing to do for me. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very, he's happily married. He has kids. Yeah. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you one more question. I know we're going way over time. <laughs> There's a guy I follow on social media, and if you don't, I'm going to make you, and his name is Connor McKenzie, um, and you, our, our listeners may know him. He's a dancer, and he's truly extraordinary dancer. But he's really sort of taken on that gender fluid. I, and I and Michael, jump in here because I'm going to really bash my Who whatever. Is it? But I he know. does a lot of dancing now in the high heels, and, oh. he, and he does all these great little clips and whatever. Yeah. And oh yes, I think I do follow him. Does yeah. he have the like the the, the uh, different color things that explode out of his headpiece? Yes. yes, love that guy. He, he went viral over. He did a dance routine where it was about kicking away and you know graphically the word like depression and. You know, uh, don't let people sort of put you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of, I find him a very interesting thing mm-hmm. um, because one, he is so incredibly talented. Like I just, I, yeah, he really is. And awe over his dance ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's interesting because he has so embraced this sort of, um, and again, I don't know if he's gender fluid or if he just, you know, likes fighting the toxic masculinity. And I, I applaud all of that. But, you know, you've been on casting calls. You were a dancer yourself. And, you know, if you went into a, you know, Broadway audition, even in, you know, 2019, and, you know, uh, you know, there was a whole controversy on So You Think You Can Dance about Nigel Lithgow talking about his male dancers not being masculine enough. Like, how is all that playing out now? And is mm. it, you know, affecting his auditions? And and I, I I would love to actually have that conversation with him. But, you know, quickly, what's your thoughts on on masculine uh, dancers? I mean, I think that <laughs> I think um, gender fluidity and like everything that's happening in that arena is so fascinating right mm-hmm. now because the lines are so blurred. Um, younger kids, um, like they're so OK with with they as opposed to like he or she oh, right. mm-hmm. um you know they're they're not wanting to jump to you know i'm i'm male i'm straight like they're so much more fluid today than we were certainly scott mm-hmm. than you and i michael i think maybe your generation right. a little bit the more right mm-hmm. uh but i just i think it's wonderful because it allows us all to like loosen up a little bit you know yeah. it's like some people are incredibly masculine some people are incredibly 
um, feminine and like the Kinsey scale, people fall everywhere right. in between. And it's just wonderful now that people are having the opportunity to be who they are, to love themselves, to go back to the top of our conversation, right. to love themselves for who they are. Recently, I talked to two clients whose kids are starting to quote unquote like identify mm. one who is identifying fully as a lesbian and is absolutely. 100% okay with it. She has an incredibly homophobic father and she is living with him now and she could care less. <laughs> She's like, he'll deal with it. How old is she? She's like, I think 16 or 17 years old. And then the other one, also 16, 17, is like going with the the and she's like dressing like a boy and like, and her mother goes out with her and recently the mother was telling me they were out somewhere and and uh, the woman at Starbucks said, oh, your boys are so cute. Uh, and she was like, yeah, they are, aren't they? <laughs> you know, so this is a lot of parents today. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. As I watch these things, and, you know, I think you can even hear it in my voice. I sort of, like, I love it, and I embrace it, and I see the beauty in all of this. But I find myself judging on other people's behalfs. Like, I want to protect them from um, all this hateful stuff huh. out there. And, you know, and I think that's a lot of what our parents sort of did to us, too, was like, honey, I love you, but... If you mm. go out in that outfit or that whatever, mm. or, um, and, and, you know, that's a little dangerous too, to, to, you know what, like you said, you have to take care, you're only responsible for your own actions. Well, and I think, you know, to kind of pop back into the conversation for one minute here, it's like that to me goes back to this idea of like what our parents expected us to yeah. be. Yeah, they had exactly. an expectation exactly. on us, right? Mm -hmm. And we had an expectation on them. <laughs> and we have an expectation on our clergy. And we have an expectation right. on our president. And we have, there's so many expectations flying around where it's like, ultimately for me, what I'm trying to do more and more, number one with myself is to recognize like, oh, okay, this is who I am. I have limited, recently I had a friend who was, ended up, is she was hospitalized and like, I think I was trying to be like the clinical psychologist, the mm. doctor, the nurse, the, the the emergency services, and like she's got a team of 10 people working on her now, and I suddenly was like, oh my God. Like I was in so far over my head, I'm limited. Like I don't, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a clinical psychologist. Like there are people that do that. You know, it's like, I think we all have the opportunity to kind of take a reality check on ourselves as, as well as how, the expectations that we hold about our parents, about clergy, about politicians, uh, and, and to hold ourselves accountable and to hold those other people accountable when it is required, when it's necessary. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's pizza. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I'll tell you. <laughs> Ice cream's not bad, too, Scott. Uh, well, give me right, a good Michael strawberry haagen I'm a happy yeah, guy. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> here's the thing, and, and again... This is Michael Jumpin generational. I think you're always looking for just that safe place where you don't have to do that judgment and don't have to do yeah. that thinking. And again, with you being here, you know, a lot of the times it is our parents that we turn to for that. And 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 again, it was such an interesting thing for you, you know, you with your background to to be going through that with a, with a parent. And you know, sometimes you have to, you know, cut people off. And and for me, I take, you know, things to an extreme is at what point then do you wake up and you're like, I'm an island and I can trust nobody. And well, that's, you start going down that path that, of paranoia yeah, and yeah, yeah. wall building. And, you know, that is the, some people might say danger. I would say that is the opportunity, 
right? When we get hurt, like think about this with relationships. You have a, a relationship with a lover and you're together for five years and there's a breakup and maybe somebody cheated on someone and you think to yourself, you make, you make a, a decision that you can never trust anyone in love again. And what do you do to yourself? You keep yourself from having a loving relationship right. mm -hmm. because you take on this belief that you will never find anyone. Mm -hmm. But that's not really accurate. You could find someone. And you might find someone else who does the same thing. And you might find someone else who really does love you. So it's like I think that there's always this opportunity and part of like working with a coach, working with a therapist is that hopefully these things get reflected back to us in a way where we can go, oh, wait, there's another. Oh, I could I could think about this differently. Oh, I need to forgive myself. I need to forgive my I need to forgive my mother for the mm -hmm. judgments that I've been holding against her. Because guess what? I'm the only one holding the judgments. Right. Uh, you know, they say the judgments, it's like holding a, a handful of hot coals. Yeah. The other person may not even know it, but you're holding right. it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think our time has run out for this, but Barry, um, we would love to have you as part of the Voice of Pod family as we talk about relationships yeah. and whatever. Would you Wait, be, are, would you be interested in coming back is, at some point or this like, letting us reach out to you? Are we like, is this like we're becoming a family? <laughs> Chosen yes. family, okay, the most chosen family. important well, kind well, of family. I want to. I want to say something. And first of all, I'm so honored that you both would even ask me this. Thank you so much. And, you know, I. I think one of the things that I I've learned from challenging relationships is that it's important for me to say yes and to get up and try again. As you said in the beginning, I, I do kind of feel like a phoenix who rises from the ash. But resiliency, Brene Brown. If you haven't read her books. Like that's one of the big things that uh, she talks special about on Netflix. If you've it's not brilliant. It, it's brilliant. I've seen it. It's yeah, brilliant. She's great. It's like, w I feel like that is the key. We resilience. Mm -hmm. It's like, get back up. Yeah. And we do that together, supporting each other. And, you know, Kumbaya, granola, <laughs> rainbows, <laughs> unicorns. Um, okay. Uh, before we let you go, then how can our readers find you oh, on yes. social media or wherever? Uh, Barry Alden Clark uh, on, on uh, Facebook uh, Instagram and my website is Barry Alden Clark, B A R R Y A L D E N C L A R K dot com. And Lovely. we will put that on the Voice of Pod pages as well. Yes. Awesome. And one other thing I'll add is that um, I do write, I'm a regular contributor on a website called Positively Positive. Mm. And as you guys said, we need more positivity in the world. Yeah. They go out to over 2 million people every day, and it's all positive articles. So if your listeners are interested, it's a great resource to kind of like uplift yourself in, awesome. in, in a day when you're flipping through your social media and everyone is skinny and beautiful <laughs> and filtered and made up. You know what right, I mean? Right. So your coffee without the <laughs> caffeine. <laughs> thank you guys so much for thank having you. me. Thanks, Barry. Thank Thanks, you. everybody. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And as always, if you have anything you want to contribute to the conversation, you can email us at voiceofpodpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at voiceofpod. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye.